0: Bring you the Making Much of Jesus podcast featuring the late Dr. Jack Hudson, the founding pastor of the Northside Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And now, today's edition of the Making Much of Jesus podcast. This morning, let's go into the Old Testament, if you will, to the book of Genesis, chapter number 22. I want to speak to you this morning on Jehovah Jareth. I'll explain what it means in a minute. Let the Word of God explain it, I should say. And I pray that it will be a blessing to your heart. I pray that in the days and months and even years ahead, if the Lord should tarry, that you'll remember these words, Jehovah Jireth, Jehovah Jareth. I want to say it over. I'll say it many times in my message. I want you to take it home with you. I want it to be your theme for the next few days so that it will become a part of your vocabulary, Jehovah Jareth. Let's say it together. Will you do it? Come on, Jehovah Jareth now. Jehovah Jareth. All right. God bless you now. Let's begin reading in the book of Genesis chapter 22. And while you're getting your place there, let me again thank the Merck family. They'll be singing just after the message briefly again. We're so glad to have had them with us this morning. Such a blessing. Je- Genesis chapter 22. And it came to pass after these things that God did test Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into a land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I shall tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, "Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you." And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, "My father." And he said, "Here am I, my son." And the angel of the Lord called him out of the heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything for unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by the horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireth. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Our Father God, I pray that the Holy Spirit may let us realize that today we're standing on sacred ground. Oh God may we take off our holy may we take off our spiritual shoes and stand here in the presence of God and oh God may the holy spirit let us see and understand as we've never witnessed before the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ and what it means to us and how God has provided a way he is truly Jehovah Jireh. in Jesus name I thank you already for souls that will be born into the kingdom of God this morning. And through the radio broadcast, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you now. Truly, you're Jehovah Jireh. In his name, amen and amen. I don't know of anything that touches my heart any more than to read Genesis 22. Occasionally I'll just read it sometimes in my devotion, sometimes just read it while I'm maybe studying just for maybe not even uh, having nothing whatsoever to do with the message. I don't ever want it to get cold or indifferent to my own heart. I, I think of all the words that he could have used here, but the word somehow stays in my mind. Jehovah Jireth, the Lord that provideth. Literally the word means the Lord will see to it. The Lord will undertake. The Lord will provide. We could say many words, but it means basically the Lord will see to it. The Lord will provide. The Lord will see that you have the necessary resources. God will give you the strength. God will give you the wisdom. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God that provideth whatever you may need. You know, I want you to see something here that somehow touches my heart. I can see Abraham. I've, I've often wondered about this. I have two daughters and a son. I've often wondered in my mind, I read the other day where somebody has questioned uh, presidential candidate, Jimmy Carter, about things that he'd given up for the Lord. And they said, would you give up this? And he said, yes, I would. Would you give up that? And they mentioned several things. Yes, they would. Then they asked him, would you give up politics for the Lord? And they said, Mr. Jimmy Carter waited a moment. He said, no, I would not. Beloved, I wonder how many things in my life I would not give up. I'd like to stand here sanctimoniously and self-righteously as a pastor of this large church and say, there is nothing that I would not give up for the Lord. And in my heart, I'd like to think that. But I wonder what it would be if God would come to me and said, I want you to take your son, Mark, the only son that you have, and I want you to offer him up for a sacrifice. I wonder how I'd really feel about it. I wonder how I'd really feel. I wonder how you would feel if God would say to you, I want you to take your child, the only child that you have, and I want you to offer him up for a sacrifice. You see, God was testing Abraham and that which he loved the most. He knew that there was something between his heart and God. And then God wanted to show you and me a picture of something that we can't see reading in the New Testament of the crucifixion. God wanted you to understand what it was like when he was to give up his son, his only begotten son. And I've thought about it in my mind, but you see, God's never asked me to do that. And if God would ever ask me to do that, then he'd give me the grace to understand it. He'd give me the Jehovah Jireh. You see, I can see Abraham when he was on his knees and God said, Abraham, do you really love me? Now it doesn't say that, but I think it means there. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Abraham, I want you to take your son, thine only son, whom thy lovest, and I want you to get thee to the mountain that I shall show thee of. And you say, how did Abraham do it? Somebody would say to Abraham, how is God going to fulfill his, his prophecy through you? God said that through you should come the seed of the Savior. I can see Abraham as he'd draw himself up and he'd say, Jehovah Jareth. God will see to it. I don't understand Abraham, what are you going to tell your wife Sarah when you go into the tent and say, I'm going to take our only son and I'm going to take him to a mountain and offer him up for sacrifice? What are you going to say to your wife? Jehovah Jireh. God will see to it. Abraham, what are you going to say to your son when you get him up on that mountain and it comes time to offer up the sacrifice and you're going to bind him and put him down there and take a knife and plunge it in the heart? What are you going to say to your son? Jehovah Jireh. God will see to it. God will provide. God will show me the way. Oh, beloved, if we could ever get in our mind, we've got more than a Savior. Bless God, we've got Jehovah Jireh, the God that will provide. What are you going to do this week when trouble comes your way? Jehovah Jireh. Leave it to the Lord. Turn it over to the Lord. Ask him for wisdom and instructions and divine guidance. What are you going to do about the financial obligation that's bothering you and pressing you and you don't see any way around it? What are you going to do about it? Jehovah Jireh. What are you going to do about that wayward child that's causing you all that heartache and that trouble? What are you going to do? Jehovah Jireh. Look to him. He'll provide and show you the way God will undertake for you. That's what God wants you to see. But I want you to see something else here. In this, the Bible tells us, you remember it says uh, that Abraham saw his day and rejoiced. I believe it means more than with a physical eyesight. I don't think Abraham saw Jesus in any sense of the word. I don't even think he saw him in a vision or a dream or or anything else. I think what he meant when he said saw it, he understood it. He looked and he said, oh, bless God, I understand salvation now. I've always said everybody gets saved if they understood salvation. You say, well, Brother Hudson, I understand about the Lord and I understand. Oh, you don't either. If you're not saved, you don't understand it. First of all, you can't understand it till you get saved. And second, if you understood it, you would get saved if you weren't saved. So I know you don't understand it. I have men call me. You'd be surprised how many people I have call me, uh, both through the radio and television program, and, no, Brother Hudson, that's not the way that I see this thing. And I thought, well, bless God, you get saved and you'll see it that way. Amen. And so the problem is people don't understand it. And what it says, Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced. Abraham understood what sacrifice was all about and what uh, uh, sacrificial uh, salvation was provided for us. Notice, if you will, uh, notice in verse number 2. You want to see a type of the Lord Jesus Christ dying on Calvary's cross. Look at verse 2. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I shall tell thee of. You want to hear the Father's heart now? This is the type of the the Father, uh, the, the Heavenly Father. Listen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and that whosoever should, shall believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Look, if you will, if it's set apart for the sacrifice in verse number 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took his two young men with him and Isaac his son. And he clave to the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. Absolutely obedient unto the Lord, set apart for sacrifice. It wasn't someone else's son that would do it. It had to be Abraham's son. Can't you imagine maybe the devil whispered to him that night, said, why don't you take some of your servants, son? But it had to be Abraham's son, his only begotten son, whom thou lovest. Beloved, the Bible says before the foundations of this world were ever laid in the mind of God, Jesus Christ was slain on Calvary's cross. And before this world ever came into being and before God set it to spinning in its axis and before God fixed the atmosphere around it and so before God placed it exactly where he wanted it and so on like that, even then in the mind of God, he knew that his son was going to die on this planet earth on a place called Calvary. Already he knew that. Just as Abraham knew when he was taking his son to the Mount Moriah, God knew that his son was going to die on Mount Calvary one day for the sins of this world. Then I want you to notice something else, if you will. There was a transaction between the father and the son only. He said to the young men who took the donkeys, he said, the donkey said, now you stay down here. God let him go to the foot of the mountain, but God didn't let him go up to the top. That was just something between the father and the son. You know, one of the saddest verses in the word of God to me, I never have known how to say it. When I get to heaven, one of the things, after I've been there about a million years, I want to ask the Lord something. I want to say, Lord, I want you to tell me how to say that verse. How do you say it? I don't know if the Lord has recording equipment that he'll let me hear. I know he can hear and I know he can record, but the, but I wish he'd let me hear it. If God would say, what would you like to hear? Would you like to hear the angel sing? Well, Lord, yes, I would, but that's not the greatest thing I'd like to hear. Would you like to hear somebody getting saved? Lord, that'd be so wonderful. But that's not what I really want to hear. What is it you want to hear? Lord, I never have known where to put the emphasis on those words. My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? And if God could turn back his heavenly tape recorder and just let me listen. See, that woman, I want her to be just, you think of her as your mother. And mother, he said, you look at John, I want him to be your son. Now, you you, you work it out. He was forsaken of his mother. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, he's forsaken him by his father. Disciples that already forsaken him. There he stands alone, forsaken. I don't know how it would sound, but I hope God let me hear it someday. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Forsaken of God, forsaken of men, because he was made sin for you and for me. He knew no sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in him. And so you see, God didn't let him know everything. And then he said, uh, "The men going to the mount, but no further than." I want you to look in verse number six, and it says, "And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. The wood was upon the back of Isaac." And the back of the Lord Jesus is on the cross, on Calvary, you see. And God's wanting you to look at it and understand it. Then see, they had the fire and the knife, both of them types of judgment. One of them an instrument of death, and the other a type of judgment, you see. And the flaming sword at Eden and the fires of hell, both represented there. Then I want you to see there, he bound Isaac. I don't know. God doesn't say what happened between them. It must have been there had to be something said. I've read it and reread it and I've tried to look between the lines and under it and tried to lift up the letters, so to speak, and look under them. But I can't find the word. God says this, you can't understand it now. And I believe, again, if God would say, now, is there anything else you want to hear on my spiritual tape recording? I said, Lord, I, I wish you'd let me hear what Abraham said to Isaac. And if you had to say, would you make an educated guess on what Abraham said to Isaac when he got ready to bind him? The only thing I could say is he looked at him and said, Son, jehovah Jireh, jehovah gireth. And his son put out his hands willingly and obediently, just as the Lord Jesus. As a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. And the Lord Jesus gave himself to die on Calvary's cross, just as Isaac was bound here as a type, but it also has another type. It's a type of a sinner. It's a type of you and me. Bound by our sins. Bound by the law. And there we are. And death is headed for us just as sure as we're living. The Bible says the soul that sinneth it shall die. There is no escape. There is no help. But Beloved, I want you to know, thank God, we can, just as as Isaac was lying there and he looked up at his father, whom he knew, loved him with all of his heart, and as he saw that knife coming down, I believe that even then Isaac could save. He had heard his father say it on those three days and three nights while they were going to the mount. And I believe even then he lifted up his voice and maybe said, Jehovah Jireh, God will see to it. God somehow, God will save me. God will deliver me. God will be merciful to me. And just as God, the angel reached out, so to speak, and grabbed Abraham's hand and stopped it, so did God stop the judgment that was due to you and me and it fell on the Lord Jesus Christ himself and he took our place on Calvary, died for our sins, and gave the provision that you and I might get back to heaven. Then I want you to see something else. He said to these men, you know, I like that. He said, you men stay down here. I've got to go up here. He didn't say this, but in his heart it was saying it. I've got to go up here and offer my son as a sacrifice. But there's something that comes in there. Now notice none of these things were told him beforehand. That's where faith works. And he said to the men, You stay down here until we come again. Brother, I like that, don't you? You know what that's speaking of? That's speaking of the resurrection. Now it was three days. That's how long the Lord Jesus is in the heart of the earth, three days and three nights. And as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and nights, even so must a son of man be in the heart of the earth. And so he was up there. There's three days and three nights. And he said to those men, you wait down here and we'll come again. Uh, say, uh, I, I imagine if they'd have said to him, Abraham, we've, we, we understood also, uh, your son is going to be offered for a sacrifice. How then can you bring your son back in three days? You know what he would have said? He'd have looked back and he'd have said, Jehovah Jireh. God will see to it. I don't understand all the mysteries of God, but God will see to it. God will see to it. Then there's something else. Did you know after this, you don't see Isaac anymore. Isaac disappears off of the scene visually. Now you read about him. And one day then, Isaac, or or, or Abraham, is a type of God the father. And Isaac, of course, is a type of God the son. And the servant is the type of God, the Holy Spirit. And so the Abraham, type of God, the father, said to the servant, type of the Holy Spirit, I want you to go into a far land and get a bride for my son. Does that remind you of our dispensation? God, the father, said to the Holy Spirit, I want you to go into the Gentiles and I want you to take out of them a bride for my son. Now the son can't be seen. I've never seen Jesus Christ, I'm never, other than through the pages of the Word of God, and in the lives and in the face of people who've been born again, I've never really seen him. He's not on the scene right now. Isaac wasn't on the scene right then. And then the servant went into the far country. What a beautiful story it is, and he gets Rebecca, and he brings her back. What a type of you and me that is. Do you remember the story? I won't tell it, but just briefly. He said he found her. He knew when the servant found her, he knew who it was. And he said, listen, uh, I've, got a, I've got a man out here uh, that wants, wants a bride. And he began to describe her to him. Now, she had never seen Isaac either, just as I've never seen Jesus. And he described him in such a way that she said, when he got through, he said, will you go to this man? Will you go and marry this man? Will you leave your family and take upon yourself his name and be a part of his family and live with him forever and be a part of him separated from your family separated from those that you know she said i will yes i'll go he started giving her gifts did you know that's what's happened to me the lord the holy spirit of god said listen would you would you like to be identified with him Would you become part of the bride and accept the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior? Take his name, his identity, lose yours, give yourself over to him and become his, and then go and live in his house forever? And I said, but I've never seen him. I know, but the Holy Spirit described him in such a way that I said, I will, I will. And like Rebecca, I'm on that trip. Now, she had never seen Isaac. See, from this point until the point I'm reaching... Isaac is not seen. He's in the background. All you hear is the dialogue, so to speak, between the father and the servant. What we know now is God the Father and the Holy Spirit working among us and telling us about Jesus and so on. Now watch it. Suddenly she comes along. She's been on the back of that camel. And can you see her getting discouraged? And the servant would ride along beside her. And he'd, ride up, he'd say, listen, there's another thing I forgot to tell you. And he'd start describing Isaac a little more fully. And by the time they got there, though she had never seen him, she loved him more than she loved herself. She looked and she saw him out in the field and she recognized him. Of course, she wanted to be a little coy. And she said to the servant, she said, is that Isaac? And she said, and he said, that's him. Now, I want you to notice, she got down off of the camel and went lickety-split across that field She ran out and got him. She was already in love with him before she saw him. Now watch what happens. Isaac is not seen from the time he comes down off of that mount or from the time he goes up to the mount. He isn't seen until the reunion with the bride. And from the time the Lord Jesus was resurrected, no mortal eye has seen him until he comes for his bride. In the second coming of Jesus Christ. And every eye shall see him. Praise God. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. And he goes on to describe, and the Bible describes how we should be caught up together and won't go into the second coming. But there it is. You see it? You say, Brother Hudson, how does all this happen? Jehovah Jareth, The Lord will provide. Who provided for Rebecca on that trip? Jehovah Jareth. Who provided for Isaac while he was away, Jehovah Jireh? Who worked it all out in His infinite plan, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh. It's God that provides. God will see to it. Did you know we still use that word many times? Think about it. You listen and you'll hear it. You'll be surprised what you'll hear when you listen. That's the problem. Tro- problem most of the day we don't listen, We don't see, we don't listen. You people say, "Would you see about that for me?" Listen, I've got to do something. Would you see about that? Do you mean what it means? Take care of it. Provide it. Take anything it needs. You see to it. You complete it. See that it's completely transacted. Would you see to that please? Don't we still use that? That's exactly what the word means. Jehovah. Now Jehovah means the God of heaven. The God. And it means God will see to it. God will provide exactly what it means. Now notice something else. It means then above anything else we've got someone to take our place. Someone to take our place. You know, when you, when you think about it as punishment for our sins and for our shame, the Bible says he had laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Now notice this also. It means that we have a mediator between God and man. I like what Job said and he said, is there no daysman?" The word daysman, D-A-Y-S-M-A-N, daisman. It means mediator. We understand today in labor unions and and difficulties and so on like that. Now let me explain to you very briefly what a mediator does. A mediator is a reconcili uh, he, he he reconciles. He brings together. In other words, he represents both sides. Neither one impartial. He's not partial one, partially the other. He fairly represents the one. And this is what Job meant. Is there no daysman? Now, the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. There isn't but one mediator, only one person. Now, notice, I want you to see the requirements of a mediator. First of all, he must be accepted by both parties. The Bible says, God said, there is only one mediator. That's the man, Christ Jesus. He is the only one that he'll accept. If you and I, in essence, ever do, and I'm going to use a word to help you better understand it, if we're ever going to do any business with the Lord, with God, we're going to have to do it through Jesus Christ. Now forgive me, you can't do it through a priest. You won't do it through Mohammed, and you won't do it through anybody else. You'll do it through Jesus Christ. He's the only mediator that God recognizes. And a mediator must be accepted by both parties, accepted by God and accepted by man. And then a mediator must be willing to accept the settlements. In other words, when we accept a mediator, we must be, all right, here's two people who can't get together. They have a, a Mexican standoff, an impasse. They can't get together. Finally, they said, we just can't get together, so let's get a mediator. Now, when we do that, we say, all right, I'll accept what he says. The other side says, I'll accept what he says. Now, that's the conditions of a mediator. You must be uh, understand. Then secondly, third, he must be a fit person. That is a a likely person. If you're dealing between kings and servants, you don't want a person who's never been anything but a king because he will favor the king side. Neither do you want a person who's just a servant because he'll just favor the party of the servant. But you must understand the most likely person that you could ever find is a person who is a king but has been a servant. He understands both sides. Now that's the best person you'd ever find in a settlement between a king and a servant is a person who's been a servant, but is now a king. Beloved, let me me introduce you to the mediator of heaven. The Bible says that God himself, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God came down and put upon him human flesh, and God lived among us for 33 years in the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says he was tempted in every point, like as we, but yet without sin. He absolutely knows God's size, absolutely. He absolutely knows my size. And beloved, I'm saying to you on the face of this earth and in this universe, there is only one person who can be a mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. For he is God, and yet he was man, the God-man. And because he was the God-man, and because of his humanity, he's able to represent us, and because he's God, he understands that man, the deity, and the holiness, and the righteousness of God, and I say to you, there is none other who can plead my case as the Lord Jesus can do it. Then there must be strict uh, justice and fervent love. There must be. You can't say, oh, well, you fellas shake hands, forget it. No, it has to be dealt with right, and it will be. Now, look at the situation the mediator finds. First of all, God finds all men guilty. God in heaven says all men are guilty. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Listen at man's side. Man says, but I've done the best I could. How many of you have ever said that? But I've done the best I could, but listen to what the word of God says, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. Then another one says, but I've kept the law. I've kept the law. The Bible says, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things that are written in the book of law to them that do them. Again, another one says, but I've joined the church. I'll have you to know, Brother Hudson, I'm a, I'm a faithful member of a church, but let me ask you a question here. If I may, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. Another says, but I'll do better in the future. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. But what about your sins of the past, brother? They're still there. And they'll follow you to your grave and follow you. The Bible says, and some men's sins follow after them. But the Lord Jesus Christ sums up the case and he says, now let's see. I want you to listen. God the Father, I'm representing him. I'm representing lost mankind, trying to make every excuse that he can. Now here's my finding. I find that God is right and just, and they that come to him must believe that God is, and God is a reward of them that faithfully and diligently seek after him. God is just and right. Therefore, man is guilty. Man has no hope whatsoever. Even if he'd die, he'd do nothing but die in his sins, and there he is. Then he says, Father, would you accept a perfect sacrifice, and God the Father says, there's only one perfect sacrifice, and that's my son, my only son, and my mediator says, then I'll gladly lay down my life for these people. Did you know that's what makes this thing grace, is because of the fact that why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And there, while death and hell was inevitable, the knife was plunging towards my heart. Jehovah Jireh. God provided. God provided a way through the Lord Jesus Christ. And God said, I'll accept that sacrifice. And now when I go to the Lord, i said, Lord, nothing that I have, can, ever will do. Nothing. But I'm pleading the death of your son, Jesus Christ, as my salvation. And beloved, it's accepted then by both parties. Now, here it is. God says, the only way you can be reconciled is through my son, Jesus Christ. That's the only way. I look at him and I say, Lord, the only way that I can be saved is through your son, Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no enmity, but there is peace with God. I have exactly accepted his terms, his son. I've accepted his son. Therefore, I'm at peace with God. Again, Jehovah Jireh. You know the most blessed thing about it in two minutes, listen. The most blessed thing about it is whatever else he gives us, you know, uh, how the ram was caught there in the thicket. Isn't it wonderful how Jehovah Jireh just exactly when we need it. Now God didn't send that ram along with Abraham. God didn't send him up on the mountain along with him. Abraham or Isaac didn't even see that ram until it was absolutely necessary. You need to remember that. Don't pray for overcoats in the summertime. God won't give them to you. Pray for overcoat when it gets cold. Don't pray. I've had people say to me, Brother Hudson, I have a fear of dying. I said, wait till you get ready to die and God will give you dying grace. Don't be afraid of anything till you get to it. God's not going to provide it until you're ready for it, until you need it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You need to depend upon Jehovah Jireh. That's the point I'm trying to make. Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. Now, what did they need more than anything else in the world when he was ready to die? needed a sacrifice. And what did God have? God said, hold it, Abraham. Look over there in the bushes. In the thicket, there's a ram. You take him and over. God provided exactly what he needed. Do you know what God will do for you and for me when we understand that he's Jehovah Jireh? God will provide exactly what we need. You know, when you think about it, I think about how God created the heavens and the earth. And God have mercy on these atheists in the schools that are trying to tell us that this is a fragment of the sun that flung off and cooled for all these billions of years. I still believe that God created the heavens and the earth. And I believe that God created it and God put water on it and God put grass on it and God put the animals on it God had everything exactly ready. And it was just like coronation day, just like the table completely set. All the silverware was ready and the glass was, the water was in the glasses and everything was ready. And God said, now I'm going to make an image of myself And God created man And when he did the animals were there And the grass was there And the water was there And the light was there And everything that man needed was there Brother, when God got the ark ready, God didn't call for man. He said, Noah, let's have a little final inspection. And Noah, over he said, uh, let's see this window work pretty good. Slide it up and down. See if it works. Yes, sir. See if the door works. Yes, sir. Everything's all right. All right, let's go in. He looked at every room, fixed everything. And, and God kind of stomped the boards to see if that hold the elephants and all the other animals that had to be in there. And God fixed it up. And, and God said, it's okay now. All right, he said, Noah, go out and tell them all to come in now. The Bible says, behold, now all things are, behold, all things are now ready. It's now ready. And the people started coming into the ark and God got everything. Ready. God never does anything until it's ready. And then you remember how when God led the children of Israel across the river Jordan, you remember? And remember when they got on the other side, it was in the time of harvest. It was time of the old corn. In other words, the vines were hanging full of rich Fruitful a fruit and vegetables it was just hanging full and those people hadn't had any in 40 years everything was just right and the Bible says behold now all things are all things are now ready now right now did you know God knows your condition God knows that sin that you've got hidden in your heart that you think that nobody knows about God knows about it and God can forgive you because he's Jehovah Jireh it's now God can take the. God says, You go out and tell all the halt and the lame and the blind and the cripple and those out in the hedges. You tell them all that all things are now ready. It's now ready. Brother, God's now. Right this morning, God's ready to save boys and girls and God's ready to save men and women. God's ready to save families. You say, Brother Hudson, how can God forgive me of my sin? He's Jehovah Jireh. Brother Hudson, but you don't know, but I backslid. I've been away from God and I've done this and that and the other. I but he's Jehovah Jireh. he's the God that can provide he's the God that'll see to it why don't you come to him and say Lord you're the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and you can be my God and I want you to be my God and I'm going to let you be my God and I'm going to say you're Jehovah Jireh. you're the God that provideth and I'm going to quit worrying about everything and I'm going to put it into your hands and I'm going to put whatever it is that's troubling me this morning I'm going to put it in the hands of the Lord and say Jehovah Jireh, God see to it it's too big for me Don't you believe that would be honoring to him? Let's stand together, the heads bowed. We thank you for listening to the Making Much of Jesus podcast. If this sermon was a blessing to you, please share and invite others to listen. And join us next time for the Making Much of Jesus podcast.